we have a new champion to talk about, but it's not Max Verstappen because we don't do Formula One. It's Formula Two and Oscar Piastri sealed the Formula Two championship in Abu Dhabi. But we have plenty more to talk about as well from the world of Formula Two in the final two rounds of the season because we didn't do a Jeddah special. Um, we have got uh, Jeddah and Abu Dhabi to talk about. It's going to be one of those very, we're just going to do it as it comes, spontaneous kind of podcasts uh, with myself, Craig Woodard and Bethany Waring, um, who was uh, there to watch all the action as well um, throughout the weekend. So. I guess, firstly, Bethany, Oscar Piastri, such a worthy champion for, for this category, isn't he? For sure. We were, when when we did the pre-Jada um, podcast, we were all kind of like, don't want to jinx it. He might not win it. But like by the end, by halfway through Jada, it was like, no, this, this kid's going to win it. And he's done so well. And I think the format the format hasn't exactly like played towards his strengths either. I know last year he wasn't that great at qualifying, but this year he got qualifying under wraps and he got the overtaking sorted. You you couldn't really have a more complete champion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a very good way to sort of sum up really. And uh, I, I've said it several times, like he, he's so ready for F1 now that it, it's, absolutely criminal that is not on the grid for, for 2022 but he absolutely has to be on the on the grid for, for for 2023 and when you just look at the aspects of his game this year there was not a single weakness okay you could argue there was a little bit of passiveness in some of the the first sprint races but what that does is it puts you more into the play for the second sprint races so it can actually sometimes be an advantage and the way how Piastri is just able to manage this championship, especially in the second half, was um, absolutely exceptional. And um, I've got a very in-depth feature coming out on on that on Monday, um, sort of detailing the, the crucial points for, for Piastri and, and how he, he really grasped this championship. But I think really the the main point sort of for the for the second half of the year was that he was just I mean, he was unbeatable in feature races. He won all four of them from pole. So that's a, that's a really, really good in itself. Um, and he was able to to, to win uh, one of the, the, the sprint races on top of that as well in, in, in Jeddah, which we'll come on to a little bit more um, very shortly. But just overall, it's such a strong campaign. Um it's towards the, the the very top, I think, with some of the, the best GP2 and F2 campaigns we've we seen over the past decade and a half and um, such a worthy champion. And he's the only rookie champion that doesn't automatically graduate into, into Formula 1 for, for, for 2022. So... Yeah, that... people like like to point out, like, not every champion goes straight to F2, like we saw it with Gasly going into Super Formula. But then also not every champion comes in off the back of a Formula 3 championship in his rookie year and then did coming in off the back of another championship. So I think Piastri is an exceptional driver and I do think it is a shame that he won't be able to continue that exceptionalist next year it's not the end of his career because like we saw with Gasly he came after a year and Giovinazzi did a year out 
arguably that probably didn't help his help his season help his f1 campaign but it's not the end of his career for sure but it is disappointing and for it to be hailed as a as a win for the FIA single seater pyramid is is just a bit absurd yeah some very curious words i think by outgoing FIA president jean todd um calling it a, a win for the for the single seater pyramid but for the um, FIA single seater uh, for the FIA well. single seater pyramid um but as as I rightly pointed out on social media, one of his championships was uh, was in Formula Renault Euro Cup. Um, you know, a much loved, much missed championship, um, which you know doesn't really have a huge amount to do with the FIA, FIA other than it was absorbed into one of its other championships. And um, he's gone and won F two and hasn't graduated directly into a Formula One race seat. So I have no idea how that can be considered a win in any way, shape, or form. And if anything, it I just mean, showcases the 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 state of the the junior single seater ladder at the moment and exposes the the fundamental flaws within it. But I think we should be more hailing hailing Piastri's excellence. Um, of course, yeah. For, for the time being, rather than letting me go on a on a complete that's, rant about that's an off season things. kind of rant. That is. Yeah, yeah, certainly an off season off season rant. But um, yeah, so. I think we'll we'll touch on Jeddah a little bit because it was a, a crazy weekend with with all sorts of stuff going on and there was a heck of a lot to digest and heck of a lot that I've completely forgotten about as well now um, because it was over a week ago and just so much has, has been going on since then. Um, but we we had a, a first time winner in in the. Um, in the the first sprint race of the of the weekend in Marcus Armstrong who's really overdue a, a Formula Two win, I thought. Um, he, you know, he capitalised on the on the reverse grid format and was able to 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 make good of of it and to to come through and and win that. Um, and in the in the second sprint race, uh, as mentioned before, um, Piastri was a little bit passive in that first first sprint race, but that put him in a, a strong position to. To come through and take the second sprint race, which he did. Um, it was only his second sprint race win of the season, but um, he, he he managed that one wonderfully from 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 tenth on the grid, um, overhauling it was Daravala and Viscal, if I remember rightly. So, um, yep, good job from him. And um, as for the other key title, can you know title protagonists um, in, in those first two sprint races. Robert Schwartzman was able to, to really do the best of the bunch, but still wasn't really able to make a, a huge dent into Piastri's point lead. Um, whereas Joe had a rather miserable um, first sprint race of the weekend that uh, effectively ended his title hopes whilst, whilst Dan Tickton really sort of went a little bit missing um, for, for, for the whole, for, for, for the large part of the weekend and only picked up a you know a solid number of points but it was nothing spectacular which which uh, all but eliminated him um and Teo Porcher he um had a, an issue in the first race I can't remember exactly what the issue was now but um he, he retired from that one and then only picked up a, a, a small number of points so his championship was, was was done as well so by the end of Sprint race two, it was pointing all towards Piastri for, for for the title at that point. And 
you know, it, it just sort of encapsulates what what he's been like this year. You can throw a 10-week gap at him and it's just not flustered. He's just absolutely on it the, the, the entire time. Um, you know, it's mightily impressive, I think, to just sort of get back into it and just be uh, on it right away and to, to really mold this championship into in, into his own and and to, to um you know brush aside any sort of concerns or if he if he does have a, a bit of an issue in in the first race of the weekend then what we've got is a very open championship but no it just looked uh pretty much done pretty pretty early on yeah for sure it, he Again, like you say, he's really mastered that um, format. I, I think Dan Tickdon didn't have a terrible weekend. He got that fourth place in the second sprint race. But yeah, none of the other possible championship contenders were really able to. Um, they they really needed a miracle. They needed to do well and for Piastri to do very not well. And he wasn't playing their game. So it was, it was. Writing was on the wall. He could have won it in that in that um, feature race, which I'm guessing you're going to come on to because that was literally that's literally the only thing I remember from that weekend. But it was, uh, and I've said uh, a number of times just how how do you keep the momentum when you've spent the last six months or however long it's been just kind of sat at home doing nothing how do you keep the momentum between these rounds is crazy and it's just another thing that would inevitably bode well for for the for an f1 career but i guess this means that you can keep a momentum over the over the one year out of a seat which not that far off as the distance between f2 rounds to be honest well, it does kind of feel like it, really, um, in a way. But, I mean, we, we saw during the, the Formula 1 finale, Piastri getting some good practice in for his, his 2022 role of standing in the Alpine garage, not really doing much. Um, but, yeah, it was... the. I, I do want to come on to the feature race. And I, I think before, before then, um, it's also worth sort of bringing up the amount of operational logistical issues or whatever it was that just seemed to consistently hamper F2 throughout that weekend and uh, pushed a lot of sessions back uh, quite quite considerably so that, that was very bizarre and certainly something that they they need to rectify for for, for next year um but the, Not the an thing, F2 thing that no 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 it, thing. it doesn't seem like a, an F2 thing um but we had a very bizarre situation even before the feature race when when we had uh, barriers needing to be replaced um, due to an incident in the Porsche something or other, um, one of those series. Uh, so the feature race was delayed and then to, for the drivers to make their way to the grid, they had to drive backwards around the circuit, which was certainly different and, and, and something that they've never experienced before. Um, something you only really tend to experience when you drive around the wrong way on the F1 game, for example. Um, and then when the race did eventually get going, uh, well, 
some of the cars, well, most of the cars had only gotten a few yards down the road before um, we had a rather scary, rather unfortunate incident um, involving Enzo Fittipaldi and, and Teo Porsche. Yeah, that was terrifying. Teo stalled on the grid. Uh, no way, uh, almost definitely not anything he could have done about that. And then most of the cars moved out of the way. It's always scary when you see a car stall on the grid and 99 times out of 100, most all the cars will avoid. We saw, the first time I saw cars not avoid a staller was in the FE last year. And then again, it happened in F2 with Fitpaldi not being able to get out of the way in time, which was, it was terrifying. I, I was, you just kind of had a, had a lump in your stomach, just like, when you didn't hear anything and you don't see replays and you don't know anything and you try not to be on social media because people who think they know everything will share their opinions. It was, it was scary. I think it was, I think the reaction from the fan base was really positive compared to what we've had in recent, in recent years with sharing of um, footage and stuff like that. Uh, really good work from the doctors and everybody at the at the track and we're really glad that Teo had minor injuries and Fittipaldi is back in the US now and only with only a, a fractured or broken heel and a laceration to his eyebrow which are just two really bizarre um, injuries to put together but it goes to show just how um how far the strength of the of the shell has been, and there's a lot that can be said about um, anti-stall and stuff like that. But I'm just really glad that uh, that went a million times better than I thought it was when we got that initial red flag. Yeah, yeah, I I, I entirely agree, and i think i think fittipaldi is incredibly fortunate that he's not very tall um because <laughs> i i think if he was a, a few inches taller that that probably would have been a, a heck of a lot worse i think um, uh, it's it's funny the when i was doing my final year project for university the week before my deadline his brother had that major accident and broke both his legs and i was there like please can we not do this again <laughs> But yeah, because he's um, on the shorter side, that doesn't seem to have been as much of an issue. Yeah, whilst whilst with Teo, he did report some some back injuries and is quite tall, so I think that that had a bit of a, an influence in that. So we hope, obviously, but that both of them get back to to full strength soon, um, especially Enzo, whilst he continues his recovery from 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 those injuries. But I, we. The, the F2 car has been criticised, uh, the current car, ever since it was introduced in 2018 for just how easy it is to stall. And we've seen way too many near misses with that car. We've seen a few nasty start line accidents with that car. I think back to 2018 or 2019 in Abu Dhabi, um, in particular, the, that very nasty um, incident involving Nicholas Latif, I believe. Um, he, he and, doesn't like Abu Dhabi, does he? Uh, yeah. Um, and it it's something that should have been sorted out a long time ago. 
it's something that needs sorting out as soon as possible. And it is something that is, has, you know, influenced so much, I think, within Formula 2 over the last four seasons. And it just needs fixing. Um, uh, you know, same with um, certain other reliability aspects of the car. And it, it does need to be uh, fixed real soon, especially because with with how easy it is to stall and how dangerous the start of a race is, it's one of the most dangerous parts of any motor race, really. And uh, to have a stalled car in front of you can produce some horrifying accidents. I've seen in the past, um, as we've seen in that situation, and we'll, we'll end up seeing in the future as well. But the the most that can be implemented to try and prevent those situations happening the better at the end of the day um so yeah it's something that needs needs sorting out and the 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 quicker it gets sorted out the better it did seem like it was getting a little bit better at times i mean recent years and you could excuse um sort of some of the rustiness um at the start of last year in particular with 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 the with the pandemic and everything going on but it just feels like we're still in a situation where these cars are stalling a little bit too frequently um, for, for everyone's liking. Um, but what that did mean um, is that what was basically a 20-minute feature race, which is still going to do with the pit stop, by the way, um, bizarrely, a very, very unusual, unusual situation, um, did turn into... Um, well, uh, you know, 20, I think, yeah, I think that meant it, we had a 20 minute race as a result of, of the red flag, um, which was quite, quite something. Um, and, you know, predictably Piastri went and controlled from the front. Um, and then there was a, another collision um, between Ollie Caldwell and the, the utterly luckless Gilherme Samaya, who I think completed about five racing laps across the three races in Jeddah, um, which was which was utterly nuts. But that brought out the, the safety car immediately and Prema and, and several others obviously use that opportunity to pit. But with it being so late in, in the race and with everything else that had gone on, um, the race was called after just a handful of laps and PS3 was awarded the win. Um, quite a quite a straightforward win um really um when well the results were rolled back a little bit so it was a, a another feature race win for piastri not his hardest fought for and i think he'll be the first to admit that one but um certainly a bizarre one nonetheless and um robert schwartzman was just behind and rounding out the podium his very first podium in formula two after what feels like an, an eternity of starts and eternity of years was ralph boshong in, in the campos but um it's not a fluky podium in the sense that he qualified very well and was was up there at the at the sharp end of the grid when when it mattered yeah he's um really impressed me this year like he at the start of the year it was he was kind of one of those and also raced like the ones that you don't expect to hear anything about unless they're crashing but then he was like consistently in the points and consistently like fighting in the points and it's a what it was a well-deserved podium I, I was really happy for him happy for the campos team as well because they've had 
a year and it was great to see one of their drivers on the on the podium even if it wasn't kind of like the most spectacular race of of the season it was an earned podium it wasn't a reverse grid getting two laps behind the safety car kind of thing it was it was well deserved yeah it wasn't a you finished 10th in the first feature race at Monaco so you get pole position for for the next sprint race kind of podium um one, one you know one of those um sort of scenarios but what it did what the result was was that Piastri was firmly poised to to clinch the championship in in Abu Dhabi and it was just a case of uh when he would do it and he got his weekend off to the the perfect start by by taking pole position um with a with a brilliant lap and that meant that uh, Robert Schwartzman had to outscore him by whopping 12 points in in the first race which was uh, highly highly improbable um and it turns out it was completely improbable especially when Piastri got past his teammate um later on in, in into the race so i i i like to think that Piastri deliberately made sure that the title was sealed in in race one because all of Australia would have still been awake at that point whereas race two the, the time zones are not so friendly for for Australia so he came through clinched it and was well he was absolutely delighted yeah I think it was a good battle between those two teammates as well they, they were that they, they both worked really well arguably at the start of the year I think we all thought Schwartzman was going to kind of follow in the footsteps of his teammate from last year, and then Piastri would follow in Schwartzman's teammates in Schwartzman's footsteps this year. But they they've really worked well together, and that that battle in 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 race one was really well done. And I think some drivers in other series, maybe some higher up series, could have could have learned from from the F two drivers this. Well, in that race, the um, race two didn't quite go to plan for Piastri, but um, it was it was a good battle, good battle all round, and it, it was nice to see him racing in race one, if that makes sense as well, because like you say, he's kind of been very cautious the whole season, so for him to get it done in the in the race where traditionally he's not really done much, it was was nice as well. I did ask if his uh, previous race ones kind of influenced um, his, his approach for for this race one, but no, it was more a case of he he started incredibly well, was up to fifth, I think it was, by the first corner from tenth, so it was uh, very very strong, and from there he he was just able to to really start making moves. So at that point, you know, you know, decided. Why not? Why not go for the podium? You know, you know, clinch this in style. So that's exactly what he did. So, um, yeah, very, very punchy sort of opening race from from Piastri, which was won by by Jehan Daravala, um, who poor Jehan because he won a race last year as well in Formula Two which just so happened to be the race where the champion was was crowned. So um, all of the attention was obviously elsewhere. But um, yeah, it was a very, very solid drive from from Daravala, who who resisted pressure from Felipe Drukovic throughout the, the entirety of the race. Um, and, and those two went on to, to scrap again in, in race two. 
Um, and the the move that Djokovic um, eventually put on Daravala um, looked like it had been shaping up for well ever since the the, the morning. So um, very very good stuff from from them. And it looked like Djokovic had finally kind of got his season underway, basically um, in Abu Dhabi. Um, although it it was a little bit late in the day really to to do so. Yeah, uh, probably could have come in um, a little bit earlier, but it's just not been his year and maybe he just needs the championship to be decided a little earlier and then he can get that win under his belt a bit earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's every chance how that could have um, changed the mindset and, and uh, uh, you know, momentum and, and, and things like that are also important in these championships. But, um, yeah, that was that was very good. Uh, race two was was won by, by Guan Yu Zhou, who, who inherited the lead from, from luckless Marcus Armstrong, um, who had done everything right up until that point. Um, Joe did think he, he might have been able to, to pass Armstrong anyway, but... Um, it- did look like they were lining up for a battle so it wasn't entirely inherited but it was it it was so sad for Marcus as well yeah yeah um and it just kind of sums up his year really he, he's had very very little luck but um he's had a little bit of fortune at times but um that's just how it is um Joe resisted um Schwartzman for 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 P2 uh, who finished in P2, sorry, and um, guess who finished on the podium in third position, uh, taking his second podium of the season, having taken his his first podium finally the, the week before. It was Ralph Boschong. So um, I, I did make the comment to him in the press conference that um, it's like waiting for a bus to come along um, here, in, here in the UK. You wait forever for one. And then two come along at once. Um, and uh, believe me, I, 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 I've had that one before. But um, yeah, very, very solid effort from 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 Boshong, who um, was given a good chance to, to perform perform well in a sprint race, and and he delivered. But um, what we did see in in sprint race two, which we didn't necessarily see in, in sprint race one, um, with with the track changes, was. Anarchy, I think, is the best way to describe it at times. Um, with the, with with how the racing was panning out, uh, I think it really just sort of all started with with Oscar Piastri barging his way through, through through Liam Lawson, you know, just going all hell for leather, really, um, just having some fun out there, um, getting a time penalty for it, and then wasn't able to serve the time penalty because he got eliminated in a crash with um, Roy Nassani and and Yuri Vips. Um, poor old Vips was uh, utterly luckless in, in that one, totally blameless. Um, it was all between Piastri and, and Nassani. Um, Nassani seemed to have a tendency to, to want to hit everything and everyone um, in, in that sprint race, uh, which was which was quite quite interesting. And, and Vips in particular was very, very vocal over, over Team Radio um, about him. But yeah, just sort of quickly on the on the track changes and, and how you thought that the the changes made in particular to turns turns five and turn turn nine um were for you because the drivers weren't overly optimistic coming into into this race and um 
as the weekend progressed, it was sort of mixed messages from them. Um, it's just sort of okay, they're they're different, but not necessarily any better. Yeah, it kind of just it looked like they kind of just shifted the overtaking opportunities to different places rather than made more or made less of it. I guess you've got a nice fast hairpin, which kind of looks nice on TV, but I think overall it was fine. It it wasn't to me, it didn't seem like that much of a dramatic change to previous years. Like there was there was overtaking opportunities that it was it was fine the surface in race in the sprint first sprint race and then in the feature race more in the first sprint race the the surface the the tires did not enjoy it but i guess that's just the temperature more than anything so it was it was fine i don't really have any opinions on how the track change ended up if there were overtakes it was it was good yeah uh, and I mean, there was some decent overtaking in particular. Um, Drugovic's pass on, on Darabala that had been shaping up since quarter past 12 that, that afternoon. So uh, that, that was that was quite good. Um, and of course, uh, the, the last feature race of the year, the last race of the year in general, um, there wasn't really a huge amount really to decide other than, I guess, P2 in the Drivers' Championship and um really sort of p2 in the in the team's championship as well not that they're massively significant positions but it's just more a case of um you know just a different number to put on your cv i i, I guess and um, a little bit of um sway i suppose for for teams when they're hunting for, for better drivers for, for 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 next year um and I mean, it was just, it just sort of encapsulated, I think, the Astri season and and his time in Formula 2, his performance. He was, um, you know, bloody quick at the start. He nailed the, the pit stop phase. He was able to manage the gap um, throughout. And then when whenever he needed to, he was able to, to open up a decent advantage to, to the rest of the field. So um, I just sort of summed up his... Yeah, really. Um, utterly, utterly unbeatable, basically. Um, sixth win of the year. Uh, brilliant stuff. And um, behind him, Guan Yu Zhou put in a, you know, a fine effort to, to finish P two. Um, coming out on 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 top after we had um, with Jack Dewan, um, one of the, the 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 less experienced drivers, stepping up from from Formula Three, putting an absolutely outstanding qualifying effort. Um, starting on the alternative strategy, bizarrely, um, and then ran wide um, on on the opening lap out of turn nine, and then um, all the all the dirt and dust in his tyres meant that he spun off um, early on in, in, into the barriers, putting an end to, to his weekend. But um, otherwise, it was a very fine effort from 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 Doohan. Um, but we the the whether the alternative strategy was going to, to play out or, or not in favour of them, I don't know. Um, but it it certainly worked for, for Djokovic, who, who used that to, to to come through the field, overtaking um, Teo Borcher uh, on the road for, for for third place and then getting by by Schwartzman, who who dropped down to, to fifth um, by by the end of the the, the race. So 
we had we had those situations all, all, all through the race. It was a pretty sort of bog standard F2 feature race, really. There was some outrageous lunges. There was some alternative strategy going on. And, um, you know, it was a bit of balmy stuff uh, here and there. But um, it was, otherwise, it was a pretty pretty straightforward feature race by, by F2 standards. Um, bringing it into this one-off format, which has been much maligned by, by people and... Um, I, I certainly understand that, um, but ooh, that's that's how it's been. Um, I guess we should, I suppose, cover off the the drivers that we know will be be leaving in the championship as well um, at, at the end of this year. Uh, we've already spoken a little bit about Piastri, um, but but Schwartzman he took second in the championship in the end, the runner up spot. Um, whether you could argue a season was better than, than last year or not, I certainly think he had a bit more of a, a consistent run of form compared to, to last year. Um, and he, he finally sort of cracked qualifying, but he did it way too late, um, really, to, to make a significant impact. Um, he was there in the top four uh, in, the, in the final two rounds. So for Schwartzman, we don't know what his 22 plans Ah, uh, we know that he's leaving Formula Two. We know that he's leaving Prema as well. So that rules out um, the switch to, to sports cars with them in particular. Um, but I guess Bethany, how would how would you sum up Schwartzman's uh, uh, two years in F two? Yeah, I think last year he went down the same route. He's kind of done his whole whole um, career. Like his teammate was the favorite, and he kind of. Um, beat expectations whereas this year he was the favorite and he kind of did slip below people's expectations but he he still he did well he got he had that consistency and I think with any of the teammate he probably would have been champion it was just Piastri was just so much further above everyone else he uh, I think Schwartzman did well. I, uh, from what I hear, Ferrari kind of like him. So, well, he's a Ferrari ju- junior, so you'd expect them to like him. But so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up doing something with Ferrari in sports cars or wherever else Ferrari are involved with. Obviously, there's not an F1 seat on the on the table at the moment, but who knows? Uh, if he were to appear as a possible candidate for an alpha seat or for a Haas seat or something in, in a couple of years' time, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if he does go on and do well in sports cars with Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly as a, as a wildly consistent runner, um, his race pace is so very strong, um, but he has just sort of lacked in that, that one lap area um at, at times and that's really sort of been his bugbear in, in, in formula two in particular um although it wasn't necessarily an issue in in, in formula three but um he it, it just really sort of hampered his chances of a, a proper title push in in formula two at times and you know it was a little bit lucky as well in, in his first year not to to finish higher up in the, in the standings as a rookie as well against some some strong opposition there um but yeah i look forward to seeing what robert does next um let's talk about grand new joe 
um, moving on to, to Alfa Romeo next year, we have, we have spoken a little bit about him, but um, th- this week was really the first time that I had to, you know, an actual opportunity to really ask him about, about Formula One because, you know, he's still consistently being uh, criticised on social media platforms and stupid places like that about about being given the, the, the graduation to F1 next year. Um, I, he's nowhere near as bad as I think people are making him out to be. Um, he showed a lot of potential in his first year in Formula 2. It just didn't come together for him in, in his second year. And what we're seeing this year is a, a driver who is able to, to grasp opportunities to win races, but also create opportunities as well um, to, 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 to win races. And also a driver who is able to, um, to, to create something out of a totally absurd strategy that should not work. Um, but, but, but does, uh, his Bahrain weekend was utterly exceptional. Um, and I know it was a very long time ago, but I think a lot of people have forgotten his, you know, just how good his Bahrain weekend was. So, for for this year in particular, um, he, he said himself it was a you know a bit too inconsistent, you know, a few too many mistakes, and that, that's totally right as well. Um, I don't think he just had all of the the tools and the pace to to overhaul Piastri though, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so, I I I don't think yeah I, I think Joe almost certainly could have finished second in the championship, certainly could have been a lot closer to, to Piastri, especially without the, the, the mistakes that were there. But um, it, all in all, it was certainly a, a strong, and I think his, his strongest F2 season, probably his strongest season in, in junior single-seaters as well. And I, I, I certainly don't think he's given the, the, the correct amount of credit for, for, for what he's achieved. Yeah, the people who are going, who are complaining about Joe going to um, F1, are the same people who'd complain about Nicky Lauda going to F1. He's a very qualified driver. I arguably think he probably should have gotten a call up at this. Well, I think that he, um, Alpine or Renault, as it were, would have been well within their, well within common sense to have. Um, called him up last year obviously last year didn't go as as Joe planned but when they announced their F1 drivers for 2021 last year Joe was still a still very much a possible championship contender we rated him very highly last year and I think he was overlooked last year and I think he's well deserves this this championship um, this this F1 call up like you say he's kind of the master of the alternate strategy he he didn't do he didn't become the superstar of f2 but that doesn't mean that he's not going to do well next year and just because having money isn't isn't an inverse proportional to talent you can have money and talent and just because he's coming with a large amount of backing doesn't mean that he's going to be a terrible driver because he's the only Chinese driver that's gotten this far, this high up. So in the FIA F1 ladder, so you kind of just guess that he's he's got something special about him and he does. He's done 
he's done incredibly well. He, you don't you don't get picked up by Alpine because you've got money. You get picked, especially having then been already been dropped from Ferrari. I think it was, which people forget. You don't get picked up by two F one by two F one teams because you've got money. So. I think that he's going to do incredibly well next year. I think Bottas is a is a good teammate for him to do incredibly well against. Yeah, 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 certainly. Um, I, I I think next year he just needs to have a, a a quietly consistent season, eliminate mistakes, and um, try not to do anything too wild or spectacular, um, as we've seen from from Yuki Sonoda this year. Um, you know, don't uh, do super well in your first in your first race if you then go to do average for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but but Joe's got the capabilities to be a perfectly fine Grand Prix driver. I've got no no qualms about that. Um, driver won't be a Grand Prix driver next season, but a driver who will be an EP EPRI driver next season and has already been been testing is none other than Dan Tictum. Um, very surprising announcement that is off to the Neo 333 um, in Formula E. Um, not a team that you expect to be fighting for the World Championship next year. Um, he's got a very, very underrated teammate in, in Oliver Turvey as well. Um, and his, his Formula 2 season, I just think... I don't think we've seen the best of Dan Tictum this year. Um, I think we've seen... Dan Tickton, who has at times been a little bit too brash, a little bit too frustrated, um, who hasn't capitalised on the package that he's got. We know the Carlin package is good. Um, and it just kind of all fell a little bit flat um, throughout, throughout the year. Um, so he, he he came into into the Jeddah round having, you know, been on the podium in every single round. Um, and he didn't stand on the podium again after that. So uh, it just kind of fell a little bit, a little bit short for him. Um, he, he basically ruled himself out of the championship before I did. Um, and perhaps he was a bit smarter than I was uh, in that regard. But uh, he does leave Formula 2 with, you know, not with his reputation completely um fixed after however many years um i, I do think it is still ha- tr- ha- treated quite quite harshly um considering but it's just just a year that kind of fell a little bit flat for for, for tictum i think and um i look forward to seeing how we how he performs in formula Three. Yeah, I, I think I was really optimistic for TikTok and Carlin. I think that the, the two, they just seem to work well together, like off track very much, but then on track as well. Uh, it didn't come together, but um, I, I don't think he'll be too displeased with it, like looking back on it. He had some good results and in such a competitive season as well. I think where he ended up was, was a good place. Um, I think next year is going to be hard for him. I think he, he can do great things in Formula E if he kind of gives it a chance. And that's what I worry about with Dan Ticton with, uh, his, uh, is whether he's going to kind of go in there with a long-term mindset or not. But if he doesn't, he can 
we know that he's great on street circuits and with Ollie Turvey, the two could do great things. We know Neo can, it has in the past, it just hasn't for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, the fifth and final driver we know who won't be returning to F2 next year is, is Christian Lungard, who has finished 12th this year. And that is in no way representative uh, representative of his his talent and ability, but he has just been lumbered with absolutely atrocious luck this year. And I think um, his his weekend in in Abu Dhabi was um, a very good summary of of his championship year: fifteenth, eighteenth, and fifteenth, with all sorts of contact and. Um, issues and everything else going going through the weekend. Obviously, it's off to, to IndyCar next year um, with with Rahul Letman-Lanigan, uh, an environment I think is going to absolutely love and enjoy and thrive in. Um, and that that sort of uh, that that place and, and mindset is just going to fit in perfectly with his his no nonsense, brash, blunt approach, but what he does on the track as well, I think will will will, will suit that environment quite nicely as well. So um he, he so much was sort of promised for, for this year with with Lungard, but he just seems to have um he just seems to have ended up being given the the curse of the second ART driver this year. Um and you know two podium two third places in a couple of sprint races. Um, I just does well three podiums. He he had a second place in Bahrain as well, but you know that is just not what Christian Lungard is about. Um, and certainly not what what we saw last year from. Oh yeah, we were all expecting good things, and I think I think Lungard could have done good things, like you say. It's just been bad luck more than his fault, and I'm optimistic about what he can do in IndyCar. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and uh, it, there's going to be a lot of rookies in IndyCar that I think we're going to have to have a, a special podcast to talk about. Maybe we'll have to find a special guest to, to come on and, and talk about that one, I'm sure. Um, so that'd be really good. But yeah, so those are the, the drivers that we know for sure are not coming back next year. There's a lot of speculation going around on as to as to who slots in, in where for, for next year. There are only... A, a handful of drivers that we we know about but we do anticipate announcements regarding um the likes of um Jehan Daravala and uh Felipe Drogovic in the coming days ahead of the um ahead of the, the postseason test which takes place um at Abu Dhabi um a day or two after the the, the Formula One test um but yeah, the only drivers we do know who are who are there for sure next year are Clevon Novelak and and Ralph Boschong, MP and Campos respectively. So, um, literally no change compared to what we had at the end of the year for for those two. But we do know that those five won't be back next year, um, and hopefully they all have a, a very good career um, to Ralph come. Twenty twenty two champion now. I, I'm calling it now. It, Ralph, Alpha 22 Ralph, champ. 2022 champion. I look forward to seeing your predictions for next year. Um, let's not talk about our predictions from from this year. Uh, but 
we got it a little bit wrong, that's for sure. I feel better in that everyone else was wrong too. Yeah, yeah, but no one could have just anticipated that Piastri could have gelled so well with the F2 car and got qualifying nailed so quickly, got pit stops nailed so quickly, got race pace nailed so quickly, got racing these cars so quickly and everything. It's, it's that... just unbelievable, really. Yeah. He, he he summed it up quite well. He he took the the best elements of his Formula Renault Euro Cup campaign and his FIF free campaign and you know just molded it into one. And what what the result was was what we saw on on track in in F two this year it was just the the complete package. Um, you know the, the same. We haven't seen that level of domination since Charles Leclerc back in twenty seventeen. A very different format and 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 situation and different rivals and 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 so forth. So it's not entirely representative to to really compare the two, especially because we don't know what what Piastri's rivals will will go on to achieve, and we don't know what Piastri himself will go on to achieve in the future. But um, for me, his championship campaign is certainly um, up there with you know among the the top for for those who who have been watching since i started following junior single seaters many many years ago now so um so 2020 right <laughs> uh, i've been following junior single seaters a bit longer than, than since 2020 i just haven't had the the same level of of insight uh, uh, as what i've had um uh, but anyway uh that that brings an end really to to, to formula two for for this year um as ever a huge thanks to to, to formula two team for 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 persevering with 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 me and putting up with me and my face in the in the virtual press conferences for for, for so long and all the media sessions and so forth um and yeah just just really i i guess to close off the f2 bit um just just really what's your your big memory of of f2 from this year I have a bad memory, Craig, and you know this. So my big memory of of F two this year was that crash uh, last weekend. So um, but no, I don't. There's just been like consistently good across the field that I don't have one big standout memory of it, other than the stress of last weekend. Yeah, yeah, there is that. I think for me. Um, my my standout memory from from this year in F two is Monaco. Um, just just the whole weekend really, because we saw some utterly ridiculously good driving. I think um, during that weekend um, we had a we had a wet sprint race as well, where Liam Lawson pulled off one of the moves of the season, going around the outside of Piastri, I think it was um, into into Raskas, and then. He lost the win due to um, technical infringement, which is very Formula 2, uh, to, a, to a degree. I mean, he was only one of two drivers to get disqualified from, from races this season. But um, uh, that was just a, an awesome race. Um, and then what what we witnessed, I think, on both um, Thursday, I think it was, and then again on, on Sunday with, with Teo Porcher's performance that weekend, um, was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen watching watching Monaco, um, watching junior single seater races, just watching motorsport for, for 20 plus years. So 
that was that was incredible and for, for many Porsche who is the highest place driver going uh you know highest place returning driver um for next year we 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 widely assume um is gonna enter as the favorite for for a lot of people um i think you know whether he's driving for for, for, for the standout team or, or whether he's not driving for the standout team he is going to be a serious force to be reckoned with for, for next year so that's my my one real sort of standout memory i think from from f2 this year not to take anything away from from piastri because he's delivered so many highlights as well this year some of his overtaking around monza for example were sublime and the way how he he managed his um his second sprint race in Jeddah, and uh, again in the first abu dhabi sprint race was was brilliant so um can't take away anything from from piastri but porsche gets the the standout highlight moment for uh for for, for me this year he's definitely one to watch if he's I hope he continues in F2 because I know a lot of people have have him as a possible F1 F1 driver in the very near future. So I kind of I don't want him to run off to another series that I don't follow but, and keep him in F2 for as long as we can have him because he's mm. a brilliant driver. Mm-hmm. And among all of that stuff and among the, the, the Formula One as well, we had the, the, the debut of the the second generation of formula four this weekend um in abu dhabi um which kind of flew under under the radar a little bit um with with everything else going on somewhat understandably and it was a second generation driver that uh, came out on top of a a non-championship race there uh charlie verts um who you may know as the son of alex verts um former um well not former but um uh, what's the term we're looking for? Mixed up shoe wearer, um, traditionally, and uh, podium finisher in, in F1 and, and, and so forth. But um, yeah, Verts was able to, to overhaul um, Mercedes Jr., um, Andrea, Kimi, Antonelli but at the start, go through and, and take the lead and, and control it from there, whilst Antonelli seemed to get himself into, into trouble with uh, incidents with, with other drivers um, after taking his, his first pole in car racing. Uh, very depleted field due to logistical issues and and all that sort of stuff. So there are only only ten cars, um, four of which were from Premier and four of uh, three of which are from, well, four of which are from MP Motorsport and um, two from XL. So yeah, not the not the, the most fleshed out field in existence, um, but that's how it is. And and Verts is the the first winner of a of a um, Gen 2 Formula 4 race. Kind of fitting that it's a Gen 2 driver. I'm looking forward to seeing those um, those cars with um, more drivers in them. Yeah. Well, and more cars on track together. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you get the opportunity to, to do that with, with British F4 um, next year. I, I, don't know, I can't remember which chassis each championship's using and, and all that sort of stuff, but yep, Gen 4, uh, well, Gen 2, F4, mixing up my words here, um, has kicked off nice and early. Um, so there we go. So that brings an end to this rather sort of spontaneous podcast, I, I, I suppose. Um, got lots coming up on 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 formlescout.com in, in the coming days and weeks. I've got, like I said, I've got a huge feature on uh, analysing exactly just how Piastri 
um, was able to to, to dominate the uh, championship that, that uh, people seem to think that there might have been 10 drivers in contention for the championship at the start of the year. So um, the narrative was was certainly shifted in, in, in that regard. Um, on top of that, we're going to have a top 10 F2 drivers um, hopefully come out real soon. Um, and then we get into top 50 mode. So uh, that's going to be great fun. In, I've in done itself. mine. So uh, I, I am ahead of the curve. I've, I've drafted, a, I've drafted a, a very long list of drivers. Um, and, and that's as far as I've got. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so do keep an eye on, on formulascout.com. And we've got, we've got plenty of other features. I think there's a few retrospective features and, and so forth to come um in in the coming days but whilst the racing has has come to a halt for for the rest of 2021 um we're we're, we're certainly not stopping uh, no way um and then it won't be too long before everything starts to to kick off again in in 2022 so uh we're not going to get too much of a break um unfortunately but that's that's motor racing uh, it doesn't really tend to it doesn't really sleep at all uh, especially not if you've got to do extremely and andros as well so single seat is back soon but we've got some nice valley and valley cross to tide us over till then of course um and uh there'll be car events and racing car events and everything as well um over the winter too hopefully um new variants uh pending and and all that sort of stuff but um so that brings an end really to kind of the the last real weekend reaction podcast of of 2021 um the last chapter in tea and tangents with craig and bethany i suppose as we've kind of called it um uh, that uh, for, for this year but we've got plenty more podcasts to come and we should have a um we should have a, a podcast with with um with a, a potential future star of the future coming real soon and we've got we're gonna have uh, certainly debatey podcasts about um, our top tens and we've got more season reviews to do once i've found the time to, to plan them and um once i've moved as well because i need to do that um and <laughs> And we're going to have a big old debate podcast about the, the top 50 as well. So that's going to be, be quite something. But um, so I guess uh, for, for all the listeners, thank you for, as always. And you can start getting your uh, predictions in for, for what we might pick for our top 50. And we're very surprised if any, anyone predicts our, our top 50 from, from 50 to 1. But um uh, pick, picking the number one spot is uh, always always a, a, a big moment, I, I think, for, for us and uh, for, for everyone else. And um, there's some tough acts to follow, I think, especially for, for drivers who have who have finished in the, in the top five. So I look forward to seeing how how that all shapes out. Um, but I guess that brings an end to, to, to me rambling into, into this Formula Scout podcast. <laughs>